your Locked On The Hockey Jets, your daily podcast on the Winnipeg Jets. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Hello, friends, and welcome to the Locked On Winnipeg Jets podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. I'm your host, Harrison Lee, an avid Winnipeg Jets fan and an online blogger. You can follow me on Twitter at HLLivingLocal and follow our podcast Twitter at LO underscore Winnipeg Jets. Tonight's episode is brought to you by Bilt Bar. Go to BiltBar.com and use promo code LOCKEDON20 to receive 20% off your next order. As always, if you enjoyed this episode and want to catch up on previous episodes you may have missed or stay tuned for the latest and greatest in Winnipeg Jets news and analysis, be sure to like, follow, and subscribe on your favorite podcasting platform of choice including Apple, Spotify, Google, and the Megaphone app. Subscribing is free and keeps you up to date so you'll never miss another episode. On tonight's episode, I thought I'd recap a couple of games that the Jets have played since our last episode, including the game against Montreal on Saturday, I believe it was, and tonight's game against the Vancouver Canucks. There are a couple of underlying trends for both games that actually have very uh, important implications, I think, for the future, because Winnipeg actually does play again tomorrow night, which at this point feels more like a threat than anything, but nevertheless, we shall view these games with as much energy and enthusiasm as we can muster, and we'll talk about why I think Winnipeg is starting to struggle. Let's first go with the Montreal game, though. This was one where, like, the Habs, I expected to have a bit of a pushback because Montreal had lost in very painful fashion just a couple of nights before, and of course the Jets, you know, they're a fairly vulnerable team once you start to break down the way that Winnipeg likes to exit the zone by ringing the puck along the walls and trying to do these, uh, these zone exits that are less than controlled. When Winnipeg does uh, make, like, controlled zone exits, it's often very chaotic or very telegraphed, and I feel like the Jets haven't really done a great job of it, especially against really fast teams. And Montreal has enough team speed and skill to really hurt you on counters. Interestingly, though, despite my reservations about the start of this game, both teams had a bit of a cautious approach to the opening periods. I felt like Montreal was a little bit faster off the hop and that the Jets were a little bit, I don't know, a step behind at least in the first couple of minutes. As Winnipeg started to warm up, they weren't exactly creating a whole variety of uh, offensive chances, but I felt like they weren't really giving Montreal all that many looks down low either. For most of this game, I felt like Montreal was getting a lot of shots on goal, but for the most part, they weren't really in very dangerous areas. It was like a lot of pot shots from the point, which can be dangerous when it comes to the Jets because, of course, they don't really have defenders who tie up sticks all that well, and oftentimes, you know, long-distance point shots can be really dangerous with Winnipeg not really clearing the crease and getting opposing deflections out of the way. That said, the Jets handled the pressure for the most part, and I felt like things were, you know, not great. I I wouldn't say that they were particularly good at all compared to the previous game where the Jets were actually pretty decent and and very even with Montreal. This one was a lot more of Montreal dictating the pace, but not really getting into the dangerous areas. By the second period, Montreal had had the uh, the edge in shots just a bit, but of course the Jets ended up scoring first on the power play. Nick Ehlers, who has been known to be a little bit of a diver, not a huge one, but he does make a couple of motions where he maybe sells a penalty here. He actually drew another penalty, which is, you know, very emblematic of his game. He draws these naturally through plays and also occasionally from selling the contact just a little bit. In this one, he probably sold, I think it was a trip a little bit. And then he got the call and off of a face-off, he blistered a really nice shot that looked like a wrister I, I didn't imagine would actually beat Jake Allen, you know, from a pretty decent distance between the face-off circles. Went between two or three uh, Montreal skaters and just found the left corner, which was a beautiful snipe. Great shot. And I don't even know how Ehlers pulled it off, but 
Nick continues to be shooting the lights out, really, and we've been very impressed with his performance throughout the season. What's sort of funny is that his actual shot impacts have actually declined relative to where he was a couple of seasons ago, but, you know, just compared to his normal standard of excellence, he's instead trading maybe play-driving ability for a lot more scoring potential. One of these two things is obviously a little bit more sustainable than the other, and I, I imagine you know which one that's going to be, and it's not going to be the shooting percentage, so let's just hope Ehlers keeps putting up big numbers, and you know we very much love him around the Jets, and uh, hopefully he continues to play at this level. After uh, scoring the go-ahead goal, I kind of feel like the Jets just sort of stopped playing, and it wasn't like they were creating all that much to begin with, but now really with feeling like they were somehow in the driver's seat, the Jets basically backed off, and Montreal ended up equalizing not too much longer later thanks to Nick Suzuki scoring from below the goal line. Now, you know, Connor Hellebuck won't like this goal all that much. But when you watch the sequence back, Josh Morrissey actually had a read on Suzuki the whole way and watched him go into the corner, retrieve the puck, and then really had a chance to physically engage and just sort of let him go. Suzuki worked an interchange with Joel Armia, and then of course, uh, Suzuki ended up getting the puck back after Josh Morrissey got pinned along the wall with Armia and wasn't able to win the battle. And then, you know, Suzuki squeaks it in off of a really unlucky angle. You know, Hellebuck won't be happy about it, but if Morrissey had actually taken the man in the corner, you wouldn't have that goal against. As the game continued to wind down, it seemed less and less like the Jets were actually capable of exiting their own zone and really creating much in the way of offensive opportunities. Montreal, especially in the third period, basically put the pedal down and really never let up. That whole thing of keeping shots to the perimeter and not really allowing Montreal into the low slot area sort of went away as Montreal basically hammered the Jets for about 20 minutes, and especially towards the dying minutes of the game really pushed the Jets to their absolute limit, and I was kind of shocked that somehow Hellebuck didn't surrender another goal. I felt like for sure Montreal was going to score off of the chaos. Thankfully, the Jets held firm and managed to survive to overtime where they really didn't deserve the point to begin with, but hey, you know, it is what it is. Uh, and so Winnipeg, of course, gets into overtime and you know, Paul Maurice actually puts out three forwards in overtime, which is good. This is what he should be doing. The Jets don't really have many offensive defenders who I'd really trust with a puck, except for like Sami Niku and Neil Pionk. Given how good the Jets forwards are, though, I feel like if you just roll three forwards for most of the shifts, you'll be fine in interspersing maybe a D here and there to rest the forwards. And that's exactly what the Jets did, and as a result, we saw some really great shifts. The Jets actually dominated all of overtime. They created most of their expected goals for, I would say, half the evening in the span of like three minutes. And of course, Nikolai Ehlers uh, scored a bit of a squeakier through uh, Jake Allen. Allen made the initial stop from Ehlers in the slot, but it just sort of leaked over the line. And even if Ehlers hadn't gotten credit for the goal, Paul Stastny had tapped it in, uh, you know, essentially just keeping it over the line. So Winnipeg ends up winning in overtime. I wouldn't really call it a great win in the sense that the Jets basically got dominated but were able to survive their own mistakes and head into the weekend with a nice uh, two two-point win. So I was kind of wondering if that same Jets team would show up against the Vancouver Canucks on Monday because, let's be honest, for some reason the Canucks have been a boogeyman for this team, and I don't know why that is. Vancouver itself is really struggling, and I was hoping that the Jets would get things back on track, but in just a moment we'll talk about why things actually got worse for the Jets. Welcome back to the Locked on Winnipeg Jets podcast, where you're recapping some of Winnipeg's recent games, including one tonight against the Vancouver Canucks as they head into another game tomorrow against the very same Canucks. Before we get into this rather disaster class of a game, I thought you should know why you need to be listening to Locked on Today. We're covering everything you need to know about the Winnipeg Jets, but what about the rest of sports? Now the Locked On Podcast Network has you covered there as well with Locked On Today. It's hosted by the great Peter Bukowski, and it's all the sports news you need every morning in under 20 minutes. Subscribe to Locked On Today on your favorite podcasting platform of choice. 
And now it's time to talk about Winnipeg's 4-0 loss to the Vancouver Canucks. Yes, I'm going to spoil it a little bit early so that you sort of get the disappointment out of the way. I'll try and be fair and impartial in this one, but let's be honest, I think Winnipeg just gave a pretty pathetic performance, and I feel like the coaching staff, the players, and basically everyone involved needs to ask themselves what went wrong here, because I feel like over the past couple of games, we've seen the Jets sort of really grow stagnant, and they've struggled to create. It's pretty clear that there are a couple of very core issues that right now the Jets can't really solve, and I understand that. I think everyone does. We're willing to give the Jets some benefit of the doubt, right? The defense is what it is, but it's also easy to see certain decisions that are holding the Jets back even further than they need to be, and I feel like Nate Beaulieu and Josh Morrissey playing together is one of the biggest ones. I, I don't really know how you get rid of Beaulieu if, if Maurice really likes having him around. I feel like, you know, Nate definitely sticks up for his teammates. He's willing to get into the dirty areas, and he definitely gets along with his teammates very well, but unfortunately, I don't think that's enough to really compensate for the fact that when it comes to defensive reads, the physical board battles that he's asked to win, and a lot of the stuff in between, you know, Bowie's just really struggling out there, and Morrissey really isn't capable of carrying the load either. You know, both these guys together have really struggled with in-zone defense, neutral zone transitions, uh, offensive zone activations basically every part of the process, both of them are not really on the same page, and it's very clear that Bolu is definitely overworked. I think there's increasingly debate about, you know, whether or not Bolu could even scratch as like a third pairing defender at this rate. I feel like he's probably a seventh D now, and I don't know if he's really capable of being much more than that. But what we for sure know is that he can't handle, you know, 18, 19, 20 plus minutes a night, which is basically what he's been getting over the past couple of games. I wouldn't advocate for putting Logan Stanley in this role instead. I feel like what you need to do is figure out a more balanced pairing system because Forbort and Pionk are definitely your number one D pairing. Increasingly, Sami Niku and Dylan DeMello, who again had really great shifts tonight, are actually proving to be your second pairing. Let those guys do their thing. I think Sami Niku has proven over the past couple of games that he is more comfortable on his natural side, which makes a lot of sense, you know. You pair him with Dylan DeMello, who's a great safety valve and more of a details player that allows Niku to basically do his thing once he hits the neutral zone and offensive zone. And, you know, I think that this pairing works really well. What we do know is that Josh Morrissey and Nate Bolu are really struggling together, so... Work the D pairings around so that you're not really exposing your worst pairing out there as much as they are right now. And I hate to say this because Josh Morrissey obviously just signed a huge contract, but right now it's clear that he's not really capable of that number one pairing role. And with how consistently good Forbort and Pionk have been together and the burgeoning signs that both Nico and DeMello work very well together, I feel like there's no need to split up the pairings right now as is at least until you find a more suitable third-pairing D, which in this case I would feel like is, is Logan Stanley with Josh Morrissey. Other than that, though, I feel like the Jets really want Morrissey to be eating up a ton of minutes, and, you know, given this situation, you don't really want to put Stanley in that role either. So until Tucker Pullman comes back, we're, we're sort of stuck with this deployment as is. Once Pullman is healthy enough to get back into the lineup, I would probably put him with Morrissey. We know that that pairing isn't very good, and of course it's going to have similar issues to what we see with Bolu morrissey but at least you slightly minimize it. The rest of the D pairings just really need more minutes. Forbort Pionk is definitely getting the bulk of the deployments for the most part, and then, you know, DeMello and Nico are the ones that really needed to see an increase in ice time. There were a handful of shifts out there where I felt like Nico was one of the best attackers out there, and it was really obvious because he was able to create a number of really high-danger chances off of some really smart shots from the point or from around the face-off circles that got really dangerous tips in front of the net. 
His really effortless edge work, his good distribution, his smart shooting, all of these aspects make him a really valuable puck-moving D and somebody who I feel like is is exactly what the Jets need on that back end right now, especially with uh, not a whole lot of offensive support from the blue line coming forth. I'll talk about this in depth a little bit later, but I, I think the Jets need to be willing to give their D a lot more leeway offensively because right now the Jets forwards are struggling, and I think that that's what we saw tonight in which the Jets basically got shut down for most of the game. You know, the first couple of periods... Uh, this was a strange one because the Jets had an okay start. The The first line had a couple of decent shifts, and then all of a sudden Vancouver was up 3 nothing on like three different tipped point shots without actually creating much offensively. The first two goals, which kind of came within 30 seconds of each other, I think really stunned the Jets, and Winnipeg sort of looked very disorganized and out of sorts after those goals against. I think that they sort of panicked and, and sort of fell apart and really didn't know how to respond. And then, of course, Niels Hoglander ended up scoring a power play goal on yet another tip shot, and this one just seemed to really crack the Jets wide open. I felt like Winnipeg just fell apart mentally and, and wasn't really able to cope and get back into this game. And the craziest thing about all of this was that, like, you saw what Vancouver did, and it was basically, you get the three-goal lead, and then you don't really do much else. It wasn't like Vancouver wasn't skating at all, but you noticed they weren't really all that aggressive. What they did in the defensive zone coverages was just really play some sort of a prevent style that disrupted Winnipeg's zone cycle, uh, isolated Winnipeg's forward skaters, and just sort of kept the rhythm offbeat for Winnipeg the entire night. The only time that really seemed to change was the third period once Winnipeg started to organize and wake up. In the second period, we did see Maurice change a few things around. He put Stastny on the top left wing, and then Pierre-Luc Dubois anchored that second-line center role. Those lines really didn't make an impact until the third period when Winnipeg started to get more of an offensive zone cycle going, but beyond that, I just really wasn't impressed. I felt like the Jets definitely had plenty of shots on goal, and they had a couple of really dangerous chances, but then there were opportunities like at the end of the second period where Blake Wheeler really should have taken a shot from the right face-off circle right in the slot, and he ended up overthinking it and passing it on what was probably a, a sure goal-scoring opportunity, and I, I sort of look at this as a potentially a game-killing moment where the Jets, if they'd actually scored there, might have been able to get back into this game, but it just seemed like after that the Jets were kind of running out of ideas. The third period, Winnipeg definitely dominated the Canucks, but Vancouver basically just stopped skating or doing much of anything, and the Jets ran... I mean, basically a, a Harlem Globetrotters stuff, you know, all around the offensive zone and getting into the slot area, but Thatcher Demko blocked everything, and some of Vancouver's defenders were able to deflect the puck away and keep Vancouver in the lead. And then Petr Schoen gets the nice empty net goal, and, you know, just like that, it's over for the Jets 4 nothing, and it's a really frustrating loss. But I, I feel like if the uh, the Montreal game was a victory, at least on the score sheet, I think it served as a warning that a loss was coming if the Jets continue to play like this. And, you know, thinking about this in the long term, I have a couple of thoughts as to how Winnipeg needs to get back on track heading into the matchup tomorrow night and maybe make a couple of adjustments to get the Jets a little bit more offensive support, especially from their blue line core, which isn't really as active as it should be. Before then, though, I wanted to tell you a little bit about why Built Bar might become your protein bar go-to. If you're a longtime listener of this podcast, then by now you know that I'm personally a big fan of Built Bars. If you've never had one, it's a protein bar that's more like a candy bar with a dark chocolate exterior and a soft chewy interior. Of their 12 original flavors, I highly recommend raspberry and mint brownie as starting points, but if you can't decide and you just want to sample all of them, look no further than the variety box, which nets you all 12 original flavors, plus six brand new flavors including caramel brownie, cookies and cream, cherry barcia, lemon almond cheesecake, carrot cake, and apple almond crisp. I've tried all six of the new flavors and they're all fantastic, but personally, I might say that like lemon almond cheesecake is my personal favorite. Just don't tell the others that I told you that. As good as all of these flavors taste, they're even better for you. With most Built Bars clocking in at around 200 calories or less, between 14 to 19 grams of protein, and 4 to 5 grams of net carbs. 
They're low calorie, low sugar, high in protein, and high in fiber, so they're great for keto diets as well as weight loss and weight maintenance programs. To place your order, head on over to BuiltBar.com, and when you check out, be sure to use promo code LOCKEDON20 to receive 20% off your next order. When it comes to the wild world of online betting, it's really hard to know who you can trust. A lot of online betting sites might be too sketchy or may not even have the sports you're interested in. That's why BetOnline is the fastest and easiest way to bet on all your favorite sports teams and action. Even with football season over, BetOnline's got you covered with all the NBA action, college basketball, and NHL action you can possibly need. They've even got all the bets you could possibly want for international soccer and so many other sports. Not really into sports but still want to place a bet? No problem. BetOnline even covers awards, TV shows, and reality TV, featuring real-time updated odds and props on almost anything you can imagine. Whether you think you know the next Stanley Cup champion or who's getting voted off your favorite reality TV show, BetOnline always arms you with the latest news, scores, and odds so you'll always bet informed. To get started, head on over to BetOnline.ag or use your mobile device and sign up for a free account today. When you register, be sure to use promo code LOCKEDON to receive a 50% welcome bonus with your very first deposit. Stop sitting on the sidelines and take charge of your sports fandom today. Register at betonline.ag and be sure to use promo code LOCKEDON to get that 50% welcome bonus. BetOnline, your online sportsbook experts. Welcome back to this episode of the Locked on Winnipeg Jets podcast. We are closing out tonight's episode with a few thoughts about the past couple of games for the Jets and uh, some changes that are probably going to be needed as they head into a very busy road stretch in just a couple of days. For one thing, I think the Jets need to start getting their defenders to be a lot more offensively involved. We've seen shifts here and there where the Jets jump in and activate inside the offensive zone, but aside from these shifts, it's very few and far between, so a lot of the forwards are just being outnumbered and outmanned. With how overwhelmed the Jets forwards have been trying to create chances inside the scoring zone, I feel like it's very natural that the Jets need to make a few changes and allow their D to pressure a little bit more actively and provide an extra body and support as like a both like a safety outlet and also a more physical presence on the back end to bring in a little bit more support. The Jets just also need like a, a passing lane to a, another skater that they can at least get a, another shot from a different angle and create more looks from because right now the three forwards are often around the goal line or trying to grind near the net or around the faceoff circles and thus far because it's just three of them it's very easy to isolate each one or shut down those passing and shooting lanes very quickly so I feel like that's a huge change that would help. I'd also like to see the D pairings get moved around again. I feel like Forbert Pionk is fine but if you're going to have Pullman and Morrissey together they do need to be given at least a, a bit of a reduced role which I don't think the coaching staff is very inclined to do but I feel like this will help both of them long term and if this is like a meritocracy then don't bench Niku and, and uh, DeMello in this situation. Now like DeMello is going to be fine right because DeMello continues to be a third pairing anchor and it doesn't seem like the coaching staff really dislikes him at all other than just using him in very sheltered minutes. Niku is definitely viewed as the seventh D though because he's not really much of a penalty killer and I feel like he's viewed as very soft by the coaching staff so I feel like in this role this is where they envision Nate Beaulieu going and I just don't really see why that needs to be. The Jets have a lot of beefy physical players, especially on the blue line, to handle a lot of those duties. And, you know, they bring in a guy like Nate Thompson, who's supposed to be a penalty killer himself, and half the time he doesn't even play on the PK. Why, then, would you put out two bad penalty killers with only one actually playing on the PK, and, you know, these guys don't really do much at even strength? So, it just doesn't make much sense to me. It's really handicapping the Jets, and when you have so many veterans who are really struggling in place of guys like Veselainen, David Gustafson, uh, you know, Sami Niku, Vili Heinola, Dylan Sandberg. At some point, something's got to give. Let the kids take over a little bit and start prepping your core for the future. 
If they don't want to slide Heinola's contract, fine, but Sami Niku has proven that he's more than capable of being an NHLer on his natural side with Dylan DeMello. Let that pairing run things. They've been excellent together. And they give the Jets a lot more of an attacking presence on the back end, which is something that they've sorely lacked. So, you know, I just, I'm very frustrated with how things are. I feel like the Jets have purposely put things in their path. But, you know, it's not intentional. It's just that they have this vision of how things should work with this roster and and guys having certain roles. But the reality is not really aligning to their expectations. Make the adjustments and help your forwards out because right now it's basically the goaltending and shooting percentages as well as some decent chances off the rush that are kind of keeping the Jets afloat. Eventually though, any of those things runs out and you're going to start running into a lot more losses like this. So hopefully the Jets make a few changes for tomorrow. We'll see what happens. I'll let you know what exactly transpires against the Canucks for round two on tomorrow's episode. But for now, that will do it for tonight's episode. Before you log off, be sure to tune in to Locked On NHL Fantasy. Get the upper hand in your fantasy league with daily fantasy hockey advice from Locked On Fantasy Hockey. Expert Scott Cullen gives you the tips, insights, and analysis for season-long dynasty and DFS leagues, breaking down all the stats and information to keep you ahead of the competition. Subscribe to the Locked On Fantasy Hockey podcast on your favorite platform of choice, and as always, thanks for listening, have a great night, and go Jets go!